Well, thank you, Brother Jeff. Um, I think, I think. So church, uh, let's remain standing. I, before, I, before I read from God's word, I want to thank Steve and Vicki Haddix uh, for setting up 1 John chapter 4. Believe it or not, that's something the Holy Spirit put together between them and me uh, in his mysterious way. So let's read from God's word as we get started this morning. Once again, in 1 John chapter 4. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his son into the world that we might live through him. Church, let's pray together. Father God, I pray that this message that I delivered today, wholly inspired by you and you alone, resonates deeply within all who have ears to hear. May the truth of the love poured out as a sacrifice be received with open hearts by all who attend today. And in turn, may that love be shared with all we encounter. I ask these things in your son's holy name. Amen. Church, y'all can be seated. So I'm here on this second Sunday of Advent to talk about love. Of all the topics thrown at me, this is the one that gets thrown at me. Um, but I'm not here as someone with a religious title or any credentials, um, nor deep theological understanding. Um, I haven't been to seminary, and I'm not the Bible answer guy. Um, instead, in my obedience to all that God calls me into, and per a phone call from Jeff Rowe at 8 o'clock Monday morning, um, I'm here. So I intend to do so in a way that only I know how, which is reflecting a simple choice that we are all called into. So a little bit about me. So first and foremost, I consider myself to be the most blessed person in the room. I'm gonna, I'm gonna grab that title for me today, okay? And let me tell you why. And there's a number of reasons. There's a million little miracles in my life, but I'm gonna talk about some blessings right out of the gate. So my wife, y'all know her as Miss Stephanie back in children's ministry. We've been together for 41 years, been married for 36, okay? You know, she's my rock. She's my best friend. She's the one that keeps me grounded and the one that keeps my filter in place most of the time. Okay, which is a blessing. But Stephanie and I, we have, we have 333 reasons that we're blessed. Three, three, and three. And let me break those down for you. And actually, there's a whole row back here, all right, of blessings that I'm going to point out. First and foremost, I have these wonderful twin daughters, okay, Megan and Mackenzie, growing up in this church. All right, they both teach, all right. So their service to the Lord is in the ministry of children which is amazing, just like Stephanie's is, all right? I have a son, if you don't realize this, this is my son Tucker up here on guitar, who I am extremely proud of and envious of as a fellow musician. So we've got these three amazing kids that are young adults now. Uh, that's the first three. Well, the second three is, Steph and I have inherited through marriage three more kids that from my perspective are equally as important and amazing to me. Back in this row back here, I got 
two son-in-laws, Chris Durr and Chris Drennan, that to be honest with you, as a father of two daughters, I couldn't have chosen two better men to lead their families and love my daughters. But I've also got a daughter-in-law, young lady that grew up in this church, Miss Allie. Carl and Tammy's Allie, but now she's mine too, okay? Married to Tucker. So that's the second three. But then also, Steph and I are in this great season of life where we're, we're grandparents. I'm Pops and she's Gigi, okay? So we've got Dawson and we've got Sophia and we got little Kate back here, just turned two. So I will tell you, that's why I claim the title of the most blessed person in the room. But today I'm even more blessed because there's some other people here that have been instrumental in my life. One of them's my mom, my dear mom back here, all right? My, my baby sister, Kim, and Chris Drennan's parents, Karen and Ray, are here with us today from West Kentucky, guys. Thank y'all for coming today. So, a little bit about me, a little bit about me. So I have been in the technology industry since 1987. The last 30 years I have spent with the Department of Education working with their Office of Education Technology, providing technology services to public school districts. So my world is based on bits and bytes, okay? Ones and zeros, all right, as you can see. Um, my world is all about formulas, equations, algorithms, and if-then statements. So therefore, I am wired to process the world around me in a very binary manner, okay, as in binary code. So everything through my lens, everything, is either on or off, up or down, right or wrong, win or lose, right or left, yes or no. Very simple. So I'm also, I'm also very literal to a fault. Okay, as, my, as Stephanie would tell you, and my kids would agree with. I don't read between the lines well. I don't. And, and I consume what's said to me or what I read or read in a very, very literal sense. So it's also why, in being confessional with all of you, that I struggle personally with parables, okay, um, and the deeper meaning of Scripture at times. Sometimes I just don't get it. Because I look at what's black and white, I'm like, okay, that's what I'm seeing, that's what I read. I don't get that. So, long story short, when you combine those two traits, okay, uh, I operate under this general philosophy in life that there's only one truth. And there's only one source of truth. All right, there's no gray in my world, okay? There's no light black or dark white. As Tucker and Allie know the joke behind that, all right? So this very literal and binary viewpoint shaped me, or shall I say confused me, growing up as a young man as it relates to religion. So let me tell you a little story. Tell you a story about two really influential people in my life. All right, my great-grandmother and my father. So my great-grandmother was a devout Roman Catholic. She truly, truly, all the way to her core, she loved Jesus, she loved the church. And there's no telling how many rosaries she wore out, praying for people. And my grandmother would look at me when I was small 
And she called me Chucky. Thanks, Mom, for that one, okay? And she would say, in her little bitty frail voice, now, Chucky, you know that if you're not Catholic, you're going to hell. I'm like, oh, wow. So I'd open God's word. I'd try to find that. I didn't find that anywhere. Well, my dad, and dad was this awesome, devoted Southern Baptist deacon in his church, served his church, little B church in Owensboro where Steph and I got married. Dad would pull me aside and he'd say, now, Chuck, you do know that if you're Catholic, you're going to hell. <laughs> I'm like, dang. So once again, hey, man, I'm opening God's word and I'm looking in this and guess what, guys? I can't find that in here. Okay, as a matter of fact, I couldn't find anything about denominations. Still can't find it, by the way. Been looking for 58 years. Can't find it, okay? But at that point in time in my life, I, I assumed then, I guess there's multiple sources of truth, all right, that hadn't been shared with me. I didn't have the secret key to the secret code, all right, along with all these doctrines and theologies. So this was very confusing for me, and that confusion when overlaid with woundedness as a young man that had me seeking the world's affirmation and acceptance led me to a very destructive life in my early 20s that almost cost me my marriage and my family. But by God's mercy and grace, and through his continual pursuit, healing of my woundedness, restoration, Jeff Rose preaching, because I will give credit there, and I'll tell you why in a minute, and my surrender and obedience, I discovered that following Jesus is very literal, and it's very binary. It's a simple yes to what we're called and commanded to do as opposed to no. And there is no maybe, by the way. That's great, okay? So I've discovered through my journey that following Jesus as the way, the truth, and the life is actually really, really simple. It's why simple church resonates so well with me. So something I've discovered in the last several years uh, is I've continued to grow and lean into God's word to help shape me in the character of Christ is that everybody in this room that has accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior has had bestowed upon them a spiritual superpower. Okay? And that spiritual superpower is the power of choice. Discernment. Choice. So, we're all faced every single day with countless decisions on a 24 by seven by 365 basis. You know, in the morning when we get up, we, we can choose whether we're gonna have a good or a bad day. We choose what we do, we choose what we say, how we react, who we interact with. We choose every day to seek the joy, the peace and the fellowship that comes only from our Lord and fellowship with his bride or, or we can choose the divisiveness and the tribalism of social media and the airwaves. That's a choice. Our emotions are choices. 
Believe it or not, guys, anger and fear and worry, those are choices. Hate is a choice. Love is a choice. And here's what I'm saying. All these emotions, I'm not saying that emotions and feelings aren't real. But guess what, guys? We also have the power as believers, all right, with that spiritual superpower to choose to check those emotions against the truth of God's word and to see maybe, just maybe, where the enemy is at play trying to trigger a lie that triggers those negative emotions. That's a choice. The big choice, literally, every day that we're faced with, the great big choice, simply comes down to choosing, and I know I've used that word a lot, that's the superpower, choosing to view and interact with the world around us either through a kingdom lens or through a worldly lens. It's a choice. So, ultimately, we're all called to choose what we believe and who we serve. As outlined in Joshua 24, 15, and this is the decision Stephanie and I have made as a family. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. So what's this all got to do with love as I've set this up? We've talked about binary and we've talked about literal and we've talked about the power of choice. Now let's talk about love. But before we can get into love, I have discovered I probably need to define that. So I've had to do some research this week and I've had to dig into the definitions, uh, plural, of love. And in my research, I've discovered there are three different words for love in Greek and each word means something very different in scripture. First and foremost, there's something called eros love. And this is feeling love. It's very me-oriented. I love pizza, okay? That means that, you know, pizza makes me feel good. It makes me happy. You know, that's reflective of a person that really likes the taste of pizza. Um, I love that song. I love the songs we were singing this morning, okay? And that means maybe there's a particular piece of music that stirs our hearts and makes us happy, all right? But once again, it's a feeling, you know, I love sports is reflective of somebody that maybe is really passionate about competition, especially with their favorite teams. So Eros love is directed toward things or people or situations that make us feel good. But because of this dependency, Eros would be considered a conditional type of love. So for example, I love the UK Wildcats until they drop a home game against a mid-major team that they should have never lost, okay? I'm also a Steelers fan. Take that one, Bengals fans. However, we're both, we're both experiencing right now where that, that Eros love is conditional because they don't play well. It's just an example. Well, the second type of love is a love called phileo love. And it's a brotherly love. It's based upon friendships. It's the kind of love that's based on shared interests, common goals, personalities that mesh well together. You know, it describes the affection, the fondness or the liking of another person, responds to appreciation, respect and kindness. You know, for example, I dearly love this group of people that are up on stage today as a part of our praise and worship team. And I love falling under Logan's leadership as our worship pastor. 
and his mentoring of me and the way he pours into my life. All right, I truly love dearly each and every one of these people and a few of you out there that are a part of it as well. Okay, I got to call out the mighty man in my D group. All right, Jimmy and Chad and Jesse and Miles, guys that are the iron that sharpens my iron, all right, that we pour into. I love, love, love these people and obviously the family members that I've mentioned earlier. However, however, as with all relationships, okay, when they get strained, it can lead to a collapse, all right, of that feeling. So where Eros is me-oriented, Phileo is we-oriented. So the third type of love I'm going to talk about today is the most important type of love. It's the biblical version of love. It's called agape love. So biblical love is sacrificial love. It's the noblest word for love in the Greek language that goes beyond passion and natural affection. It, it's not kindled by merit or worth. It loves when the object is unlovable. It loves when the object is unlovable. So as pointed to us in Romans 5, 8, God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were enemies of God, Christ died for us. It's the kind of love that acts and sacrifices on behalf of others, even at great cost. And it's the word that scripture uses to explain God's love for us. So, let's talk about the us. Who's included in us? Who's in the club that the sacrificial love is intended for? All right, well, let's, let's open up John 3.16 for a minute. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So I'm going to key on two words in that verse. I'm going to key on world and I'm going to key on whoever. So the father poured out and continues to pour out his love for all of creation. So when we talk about the world, all right, it's everyone who's ever walked upon is walking upon or will walk upon this big blue marble called earth, okay? Secondly, I'm a, I'm a whosoever or a whoever guy. Once again, I'm very literal, very literal. So when God said whoever, my interpretation is that all mankind, all mankind is intended through continual surrender to the sacrificial love of Jesus Christ to be restored to the Father for all eternity. All right? It's the whole planet and everybody's intended to receive provided that you accept and surrender to our Lord and Savior. But it's everybody. So, I take everybody that walks this planet today and I put them into two categories. Very binary category, categories. Ones and zeros, remember? Everybody we meet, everybody we pass on the street, everybody we don't know is either somebody that Christ lives in or somebody that Christ died for. It's that simple. It's that black and white. Okay, there's no in between. So, 
What are we commanded to do? In response to God's love, God's sacrificial love. So from Mark 12, verses 28 through 31, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. The two most important commandments that Jesus gave to us. So as a doer of the word, and we talk about being a doer as opposed to just a hearer, all right? Jeff talks about that all the time, all right? Shouldn't our actions reflect the choice to follow these two greatest commandments? That's our choice. So here's what our action should be. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna make this very binary and very literal, okay? As God is love, and as God has so loved the world that he gave his only son that none shall perish, then we should continue to surrender to the sacrifice of Christ and reflect God's agape love to all mankind. Now, my mind works like a formula or an algorithm. So I literally just put this together going, okay, if this, then this. It's very simple and it's very direct. But I also don't take lightly the enormity of this expectation. Nor do I underestimate the conflict within our flesh, including myself. Okay, I can get very frustrated with people. All right? I get frustrated with Logan. You know why? I get frustrated with Logan's skinny jeans. But because I can't wear them. You know, I'd look like a candy apple on a stick with those on, okay? Yeah, Jeff, I threw that one in. I'm sorry, okay? Tell you somebody else I get frustrated with. I got to share this story. Miss Flo, raise your hand. I get frustrated with Miss Flo. Because every single Sunday, Miss Flo shows up at our church. And Miss Flo comes up to me with a bucket of candy. And she offers me a piece of candy. And I don't like peppermints. And every Sunday, Miss Flo goes, you want a peppermint? And I'm like, no, Miss Flo. Didn't want it last week, don't want it this week. But guess what I know about Miss Flo? That's Miss Flo's heart. Miss Flo loves people. And she's gonna reflect Christ in that every single week to me, whether I wanna hear it or not. I love that about her. But I also know it's difficult to love our enemies. I know it's difficult to love unlovable people as Jesus did. Hating our enemies comes very naturally because of our rebellious nature. Especially when they don't look, talk, think, walk, vote, worship, or pray like us. Let me say that again. Especially when they don't look, talk, think, walk, vote, worship, or pray like us. It's a heavy statement. So as we rally for justice, and I put justice in air quotes, that's always my symbol of sarcasm, okay? Toward those that have wronged us or committed acts against humanity or society that make us indignant. It's my favorite word in scripture, by the way. How do we find it within ourselves to offer the same grace, mercy, and forgiveness 
showered upon our own transgressions. Shouldn't salvation, restoration, and reconciliation be the priority? Guys, I'll be honest with you. When I open this book, I'm not seeing where hate or divisiveness is an option. I don't find that anywhere. Nor, nor is turning our backs on our brother or sister over their failings or transgressions. I don't see that in here either. So, you know, our unwillingness, unwillingness to love sacrificially indicates that we adopt that worldly view of love, eros and phileo, which is based on feelings and merit. We are choosing, choosing not to love people we feel are undeserving of our love. We're making a conscious decision not to love people based on their merit and based on what we feel is deserving, but at the same time, we rest in the promise that nothing can separate us from the love of God. Folks, church, that math don't work. It don't work. So how do we do it? How do we do it? How do we love the world as God loved us? Sacrificially. So Jesus said we are to love as he loved us. John 13, chapter 34, verse 34, I'm sorry. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. That's a black and white command. Okay, it's a very binary command. All right, so as we've already covered, biblical love is not a feeling or an emotion. It's a decision. It's a choice we make. It's an action and it's sacrificial. The, our decision to love our enemies arises from the decision to obey the will of God and the desire to be Christ-like. That's a hard reality right there. Our decision to love is based on our decision to be obedient to what we're called to do. So therefore, our obedience is evident. If you're looking for evidence in your own lives, it's evident when we choose to love our enemies because God said so and God loved us first. And that's something I have to look in the mirror every day and ask myself, okay? And since God does not command us to do anything he doesn't equip us for, and he does indeed command us to love, then guess what? We have the power as believers to do so. And that power falls in the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, it's impossible. It's impossible through our own strength to love our enemies. But with our Savior Jesus Christ, all things are possible. Especially Love. So, what's love have to do with Advent? It's probably an obvious point, an obvious question, but in closing, I want to go back to 1 John chapter 4. And I want to close out that chapter. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother or sister whom they have seen 
cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. So have you ever seen these motivational posters hanging in offices and maybe doctor's offices where, you know, there's a pretty picture, sunset, and then a little saying, and somebody's name next to it. Well, man, I got, I got a chance to get one of those this week from somebody special, all right? So as, as I'm working with Jeffro, and, and Jeffro's just been a tremendous influence in my life, but as I worked with him this week on this sermon, Jeffro dropped one of those little poster nuggets when we were talking about tying love to Advent. Because here's what he said. He said, it's because of love that Jesus came and because of love that he's coming back. Jeff Eaton, 2023, okay? So as we celebrate Christ coming at Christmas time and look to his return coming back, there's that promise. We are all called, all called to love the world as God loves us. So church, let's continue our surrender daily and choose love. So as we move toward an invitation, church, I'm gonna ask that you stand. I'm gonna ask that our counselors come forward and find your places. This altar here is open to all, all that stand in this room. So for those of you that may be here today that struggle with insecurities. Maybe you're bitter with the world around you. Maybe you feel unworthy or unloved. Maybe there's, maybe there's a stern in your heart to reconcile in a relationship or with relationships of people you've known or encountered. Here's what I want you to know. Know each and every one of you in this room, everybody, that you have a Savior whose love was poured out on a cross to forgive and restore you with a heart of love. So once again, anybody that feels called, our counselors will be here to receive you. So whosoever will, for whatever reason, come.